today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by the 1994 NFC Championship San Francisco 49ers versus the Dallas Cowboys for the third straight year. Yup, we went there. This is what we're doing. We are going deep dive into one of the greatest NFC Championship games ever played by the San Francisco 49ers against our greatest playoff rival of all time, the Dallas Cowboys. You do not want to miss this episode. But before we get started, Raymond, why don't you let them know where can they find us? You can like us on Facebook.com at slash the Goldcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same exact moniker, the Goldcast. Like, subscribe, comment. If you don't speak, we can't hear you. If you don't speak, then you, we won't read your comments live here on air in our episode. Oh, man. So many great comments uh, two weeks ago. So many great comments on the episode that we just had. We will be we will be reaching out to you guys on the next episode. But this week, get ready. One of the greatest games ever played by the San Francisco 49ers. The 1994 NFC Championship. But before we get started, as always, we got to drop the greatest podcast intro in the game. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom. Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the 49ers, of the Bay, of the Warriors, of the Giants, of the fans, of the people. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom. Here We'll see we you next go. time. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it, folks. Thanks. Thank you for coming, stopping by. What a great podcast. Good night. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with something a little personal. I don't know if I've ever told you this, Raymond. The first game that ever broke my heart as a little kid was the 1992 NFC Championship when the 49ers lost to the Cowboys. I was so confused because in my mind we were the good guys and we always won. And it was the first game that I was old enough to be heartbroken by. I was so sad and I was so confused as to why the 49ers had and how had they lost the, the the NFC Championship to the Cowboys? I was so confused. Do you do you have any early memories from this era, or were you just too young? I remember this era because uh, I I remember Steve Young more than Joe Montana. All right, so let's let's get into this. Let's start with the run up. Dallas and San Francisco have been on a collision course ever since the season began. The NFL's two juggernauts, head and shoulders above everyone else in the league. In two weeks, the Super Bowl will be played. After that, the Pro Bowl. Today, we'll play both. Their paths crossed once already this season, with the 49ers getting the best of the Cowboys. But Dallas only conceded the day, not the title. America's team is looking to steamroll to an unprecedented third straight Super Bowl championship and their own private destination, immortality. While both teams are trying to outrace each other to the history book, who will be the first to win a record fifth Super Bowl trophy? The Niners have added muscle in an attempt to dethrone their tormentors from Texas, who've knocked them off in the last two title games, while Dallas has had to overcome a string of potentially devastating injuries. For the game's best quarterback, today is yet another chance for Steve Young to step out of the long shadow of Joe Montana, grab some of the hardware that he made famous, and ride off into the sunset. Obviously, the Cowboys have stood between us and Super Bowl glory so many times. I find it fascinating that our very first Super Bowl win, we had to get through 
the Cowboys in the NFC Championship and our last Super Bowl win. We had to get through the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. We had met three straight years in a row, these two juggernauts, the Cowboys desperately trying to create, uh, to, to topple the 49ers and create a new dynasty in the NFL. We first meet the Cowboys in 1992 in the NFC Championship. The 49ers entered the playoffs with a 15-2 and record. The 49ers had eight turnovers in their two playoff games. Or 14-2, four, you mean. Sorry, 14-2. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, 14-2. The, 49, the 49ers had eight turnovers in their two playoff games. They lost to the Cowboys 30-20 at home in a shocking upset. The 49ers meet the Cowboys again in 1993. We were tied with the Cowboys, 7-7 in the second quarter, but the Cowboys go on a tear and drop 21 consecutive points on us. They just lay it on our heads, and they go on to their second trip to the Super Bowl. The Niners lose on the road, 38-21. to That 21 consecutive points, remember that. That's going to be important. This leads, Raymond, to now the now infamous conversation between Eddie D. And Carmen Policy, our owner, Eddie D. Bartolo, and then President Carmen Policy. He basically was like uh, Anthony the Conciliary and uh, the Godfather. That's basically what Carmen Policy was. He, he, he was the Sopranos. So Eddie D. tells Carmen Policy, in not so many words, pardon my French, but we are, they, he does not, doesn't want to lose to the fucking Cowboys again. And he tells Carmen Policy they are not losing again so the Niners go out and they buy a huge defense they pick up Deion Sanders Ken Norton Jr. Gary Plummer and Ricky Jackson these pickups really give Niners the 49ers the edge they were looking for in particular Deion Sanders and Ken Norton Jr. Steve Young wins his second NFL MVP in this game the Niners end the season with a 13 and 3 record taking first in the NFC West they defeated the Bears in the divisional round. We kicked their ass 44 to 15. Again, the Bears. Remember, we had to go, we were talking about that in the last gold that we had to go through two NFC championships to beat the Bears 84 and 88. And then Cowboys. We're just going like on a tour of our big, biggest uh, 80s, 80s playoff rivals. So let's get into some odds and ends, Ray. This was the first season of Fox NFL Sports. Did you know that? I did not know that. Did you also know that the winner of whoever won this Super Bowl, if the, well, I should say this, the 49ers and the Cowboys were tied at four Super Bowls apiece. Did you know that? I did know that. And that the winner of this one would be the first team ever to win five Super Bowls. Emmett Smith had a muscle stimulator on his left hamstring. That's going to be important. It had rained every day in 1995 in San Francisco that year, except on this day, this was the first day without rain in 1995. It only been like 16 days, so it's not like it wasn't that long. But that's a lot of days. But still, I mean, that's clearly, clearly, God, if you believe in such a thing, came out and said, "Let them play." <laughs> the NFC champion had won the last 10 Super Bowls. The groundskeepers had to pat the turf down during the timeouts. Did you see that? Hey, yes, that was very how, common there. How disgusting is Candlestick Park? It's so... It's it was, the only park with, with literal pitfalls. And you know what's great? Do you notice that Santa Clara's field is really crappy too? Yes, <laughs> it's, it's, it's gained... It's, for some reason, the, the ghost of Candlestick has, has been channeling itself you know, via, via the field, you know, once again. So no matter what San Francisco does, brand new billion dollar stadium, worst grass in the, in the league. <laughs> worst grass in the league. I love it. Ricky Jackson, one of our big defensive pickups in the offseason, he signed for a veteran minimum of $169,000 for the season. He was... That veteran minimum is so much better now. <laughs> right? He was given... He was to be given a $838,000 bonus if the 49ers won the NFC Championship. He had, that was his bonus. They said said that the turning point for Steve Young was when the Niners had lost to Philly. He got into a heated argument with Seifert and 
his quarterbacks coach. Ray, tell them who the quarterbacks coach was. Quarterback coach was for the Niners was Gary Kubiak, who would go on oh. and be the head coach for the Denver Broncos between 2015 and 2017 and help them earn uh, their third Super Bowl title and Peyton Manning's second Super Bowl ring. Boom. The uh, House of Buggin', the show starring John Linguizamo, aired after the NFC Championship. I completely forgot this. Did you see that commercial for House of Buggin'? Oh, my God, I did. That was hilarious. <laughs> and, just, completely... and just for context, to go back to what you were saying about Ricky Jackson, the minimum NFL salary for a veteran today, or at least last season, four hundred eighty grand. So it's it's almost it's quadrupled almost. Yeah, that's pretty good. The Niners and Cowboys they effing hate each other. Did you see how many fights were in this game? Yeah, these teams don't like each other at all. Yeah, Madden without a doubt greatest commentator ever. Yes, coupled with Pat Summerall. Hilarious. The great the great the great Pat Summerall. Uh, did you catch when he said that Troy Aikman didn't remember the NFC Championship game from the week yes, before? Because from he the year had before? such a crazy, because he was knocked out <laughs> so badly that uh, his brain wasn't working. He also said he didn't remember the Super Bowl, <laughs> the 1993 Super Bowl. Yeah. This game was the most points allowed by the Dallas Cowboys for the entire year. And here's another big one that I forgot. That William Floyd's nickname, our fullback, was Bar None. Yes, because they thought he was the best fullback in the draft. Bar None is right. That's it. He was the best Bar None, and they called him Bar None. This is also the most, the highest attendance for an NFC Championship game at Candlesticks Park: sixty-nine thousand one hundred and twenty-five people. Sixty-nine thousand people. We're at this game. That's I don't even know where did where did they fit all those people in Candlestick? I don't know, but um, it was a, a pretty historic day. I think because it was the third year in a row. You know, people were starting to criticize Steve Young for the past couple years of getting to the cha- NFC Championship but not being able to close it out. And you know, we even had better records those previous two years and were the favorites, but you know, couldn't do it. And I think now we were coming in as, I'm not sure if we were the favorites in this one or if we were the underdogs at this point. We'd have to look at the, uh, I don't know what the Vegas lines said about us back then. Yeah, I don't know. I would imagine, I don't know, the the Niners were the number one seed. We were destruction you know we we had a 13 and 3 record i don't know i i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if vegas had this at a pickem or or had we did beat them earlier in the season yeah i don't know that's a great question we should we should try and look that up why don't you why don't you walk us through the first quarter of the game start talking to us about let's go through the game what actually happened in the game and then we'll get to our awards well interestingly enough the game when you really look at it and watch it from start to finish is actually decided in the first quarter. Uh, the third pass from Troy Aikman. So uh, the Dallas starts with the opening possession and on the third pass of the play, he throws an incomplete pass for Kevin Williams and it's picked off by Eric Davis. It's actually a really unique play because the defense was set up in a, or actually maybe, well, the defense was set up in a way where Deion Sanders was covering Alvin Harper because Alvin Harper torched us in the previous NFC championship game. And this kind of threw Dallas for a loop because they're like, okay, we basically can't throw to Alvin Harper this time, so now we have to throw into double coverage on Michael Irving's side. But because the double coverage is very good, we had a very good secondary um, this year. Deion Sanders had six picks that season. Merton Hanks had seven picks that year. Tim McDonald had two interceptions. All three of them went to the Pro Bowl that year. So we had a monster secondary, and Eric Davis was kind of the weakest link of the bunch, and he would actually go on to go to play in two Pro Bowls himself. But this year... They were thinking about targeting him, but they didn't. So in this particular play, Michael Irving runs basically a go route. Niners play zone. So that means that Eric Davis runs with Michael Irving for a portion of the route. Then he breaks off to cover his zone. And then the safety comes down and finishes the coverage on Michael Irving. Troy Aikman didn't read this. And what he did was he threw to Kevin to Kevin Williams. And Eric Davis was already in the zone. So he had one defender on one side and Eric Davis on the other side. Eric Davis picks him off, runs it back for 44 yards and a touchdown. 7-0 San Francisco. Then immediately, a couple possessions later, uh, San Francisco gets the ball back. 
and Steve Young passes to Ricky Waters. He runs for 29 yards and gets a touchdown. And that was following a Michael Irvin fumble, which was caused by Eric Davis. Um, so, and was recovered by Tim McDonald. So back-to-back possessions, Eric Davis, the weakest link of the secondary, supposedly causes the two biggest plays that equate into 14 points. And then on the third possession, the uh, or on, uh, yeah, on Dallas's third possession, this is still the first first quarter, by the way, too. Uh, William or no, uh, Steve Young passes to Ricky Waters, then they kick it off, and then Kevin Williams fumbles the ball, and it's recovered by Doug Bryan, and so again. Dallas just can't seem to cut a break. They give the goal, the ball right back to San Francisco. Steve Young marches down the field, and then they give it to William Floyd. He runs in for a touchdown. And then Dallas finally gets a little bit of rhythm towards the end of the first quarter. Uh, they were on like San Francisco's 44-yard line. It was third and 23, so they was third and long. They had to throw no matter what. So basically, Michael Irvin, basically what he does is he torches. He torches Toy Cook and Eric Davis on a basic what looked to me like a go route, just straight up ran. And he ran right in between the two defenders. They gave him a lot of space on his play. And Michael Irving just burned them both. And Troy Aikman threw an amazing pass. It was actually a really nice throw. And he caught that for a 44-yard touchdown. And then that's pretty much how the first quarter ended. And then in the second quarter, the second quarter moves pretty fast. It uh, the, the Cowboys fire back. They put 14 more points on the board. Niners come back down, and they answer with a field goal. They uh they they threw Young throws this pretty good pr- pass to Jerry Rice and just drops it in the end zone. Very rare like clutch drop by Jerry Rice. You didn't see that very often. But the best, the biggest highlight from the second quarter is that Steve Young ends the quarter. Thirteen seconds left to go, and Steve Young passes. To Jerry Rice, this beautiful over-the-shoulder pass. Rice scores with 13 seconds left on the clock. We go into halftime, 31-14, 49ers. How badass was that play? It was amazing. Beautiful pass, too. He caught it right over the shoulder. And then, and it was weird to see Jerry Rice drop the football. He dropped the pass. John Taylor dropped the pass. There was, uh, there was quite a few, several drop passes by what is normally known as surefire receivers on this offense. Well, the, the ball, the ball was really slippery. Can you tell it was just, it was super slippery. It's falling out of everybody's hands. Everyone is dropping this ball left and right in the third quarter. There's not a lot that happens in the third quarter. I'll briefly go through this and I'll let Ray, you close out the fourth Niners. uh, They open the second half with this huge fumble on the kickoff. And then the Cowboys turn that right around and Emmett Smith goes in for a TD right there. I mean, they, that turnover converts immediately. And now the Cowboys are inching their way back in this game. It's 31 21, but Steve young brings the 49ers back down the field. And in what is one of the best plays in this game, Steve Young runs in for the touchdown, 38-21. to 21. Talk about that play for a second, Ray. Well, it was second and three on the Dallas three-yard line, and Steve Young originally thought what was going to happen was that the defensive lineman would be pushed out and he would have a running gap in the middle. And shortly after the ball was snapped, it looked like he was very much anticipating this and ran forward as if he was going to go through towards the middle up the center of, of the field of the line of scrimmage the basically the line collapses in on itself and the middle be, doesn't become an option so he has to bump himself outside and then he basically meets two or three dallas defenders and kind of muscles his way onto the goal line and because he was on top of a Dallas defender when they were trying to tackle him, he wasn't ruled down. So he was able to kind of squeeze himself and cross the plane. He reaches with the football over the plane to cross the plane while he's on top of the Dallas defender because it still doesn't count. That you're not you're not down until your body touches the ground. And Steve Young knew this and took advantage of it and reached out. And to me, that was kind of that was like 
the dagger for it was it was the last touchdown we would score and sure enough would would mark the 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 dagger in in Dallas's effort to make a three-peat yeah that was great that was great and then the quarter ends it it ends when in and what I I consider one of the defensive daggers it ends with the huge interception by Deion Sanders. Troy Aikman, uh, he, Troy Aikman th- throws into the red zone. He's, pa- he's, he's targeting Michael Irving. He's like somewhere around like the five. Do you remember exactly where he was? He's like somewhere around like the five. And then Deion Sanders just kills the drive with this huge interception that basically ends the third quarter and sends us into the fourth. Yeah, it was. They were basically trying to hail Mary because I mean, this was maybe it wasn't like the very end of the third quarter, but it was definitely getting there. It was first and ten. They were on San Francisco's forty-yard line, and Troy Aikman tried to throw deep to Michael Irving, but he was covered by. It was one of the few times he covered Michael Irving during this game because most of his attention was on Alvin Harper. Alvin Harper was a non-factor. He still had not caught a pass up to this point in the game. And he overthrew Michael Irving and Deion Sanders with his really quick recovery speed, just out sprinted Michael Irving. It looked like there was a little bit of a push off, but Deion Sanders is faster than Michael Irving in real life anyway. So it was no surprise that he was able to make that play. Yeah. So break us down now. Walk us through the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter was less eventful. Niners would not score in this quarter. Dallas would score one more touchdown to, again, Michael Irving. Michael Irving statistically had a terrific game. He had nearly 200 yards, two touchdowns. He was the one that was really carrying the offense through the air. Him and Choi Aikman were. But the the, the real problem is that uh, Dallas could never really establish rhythm. They the, Emmett Smith was not 100%. The offensive line was banged up, and Choi Aikman just could not he was pressured the entire game. He never got a break. Every quarter was something else. I mean, Troy Aikman got beat up in this game, straight beat up. I mean, if this was today's game, the Niners would have had like 10 flags for unnecessary <laughs> roughness, late hits. Even even the, the one personal foul that they got for blow to the head was like, that was so, that was so inconsequential to all of the other hits he took that it would have made more sense to flag some of those other plays than to flag the play that they tagged. Uh, I don't know who it was. It was 50, number 57. It was a linebacker, Ricky Jackson. They tagged Ricky Jackson for that play. It was kind of ridiculous. But it, in when the Dallas was trying to make a run in the fourth quarter, nothing they did was really working. It was incomplete pass after incomplete pass, a lot of incomplete passes. And and a lot of this is because the rhythm was off for the, the air game for Dallas. They just couldn't get, they couldn't get going. It was, they, he got, he got sacked twice in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think in the same series or at least in back-to-back possessions, if I'm not mistaken, he got, he got sacked three times in the final five minutes of the game. Yeah, three Tim, different Tim, times. Tim Harris got him on the back San to Francisco back. forty-four yard. That was on fourth and eleven. Tim Harris sacked him for for um, uh, eight yards, and then we would end up giving the ball right back after that. But then Tim Harris got him again on the ensuing mm-hmm. possession for negative five yards again, and then uh, we Red, Red Hall. Yeah, Red, Red Hall. Hall. Well, Tim Harris sacked him twice, and then on the third possession. Rhett Hall got him again for eight. Or sorry, this was the same possession. Let me think here. Actually, no. So we got the ball back. Then we punted. Then Dallas was marching. They actually Dallas outgained us in in first downs quite con- by a considerable margin in this game. And Rhett Hall was sacked Troy Aikman again for minus eight yards in the fourth quarter. So the the defense never gave him a break. They were constantly down his throat. He was hit like nearly 16 times. He was sacked five times. Steve Young was sacked zero times. He was pressured. He was rushed. But Steve Young Young never hit the ground by a Dallas defender. And... The game really is bookended by the defense, right? It bookend the the defense really put the 49ers in position to win in the first quarter and then basically suffocated Troy Aikman to the point where it was impossible for him 
to to make a comeback, especially in those final five minutes. Three sacks in in it, it, the it, he had about five minutes thirty seconds left on the clock with that with that first that sack by Tim Harris, and then he gets sacked again with three minutes left to go, then two minutes to go. So he got sacked three times in three minutes. Basically, once every sixty seconds, he's getting hit. You just you, it was he was impossible to like you said to sustain or build a rhythm. He was playing. He was playing on his heels for the entire game, and the defense put the 49er offense in position to win in the first quarter, and then in the fourth quarter, slammed the door shut on any opportunity for the Dallas Cowboys to reach a third consecutive Super Bowl. And you could see right when they hit that second sack with three minutes left to go, the team starts celebrating. You know, they realize they're 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 going to the Super Bowl. Um, every everyone starts to really celebrate. The coaching staff started to dump all of the the Gatorades. Did you see that? Because Seifert didn't want to get splashed with Gatorade. Yeah, yeah. Final score of the game: Forty ers win, thirty eight to twenty eight. I just want to say, this is one of the greatest games I've ever seen played. I I did say at the beginning of the last. Pod, or at the end of the last podcast, it was the most dominating game by a player. I don't agree. I, I'm, I was wrong. I'm getting my games mixed up. This is not the most dominating game by a player. Uh, I believe Steve Young's following game was the most dominating player I've ever seen, but game by one player in a, um, in a 49er uniform. But this game was so chippy, was so nasty. These guys are fighting on Every other possession, literally kicks, punches, pushing, throwing people on the ground, holding, face masking. This game, like you said, Raymond, if this game were played today, there would have been 100 penalties because this game is out of control. It is one of the most violent games I've ever seen, especially by today's standards. It's so violent. This is like straight UFC. Straight UFC. But it was a great game. I think the Dallas Cowboys, despite losing and not playing very well and being pretty banged up this also just goes you have to tip your hat off to the level of of prowess that the Dallas Cowboys had you to the level of skill how good that team was because they only lost by 10 points and they they were you never really felt like they were out of it and there were several different especially in the second quarter and again in the third quarter, it really looked like they were about to make a run. And every time they gained close, Steve Young just pulled magic out of his pocket and it was kept this team ahead of the game. And if it, but, I, but again, if it wasn't for that initial 21 points, 21 consecutive points, that's what beat the 49ers in 1993, and 21 consecutive points in 1994 would end the Dallas Cowboys run. That's why I said those 21 consecutive points are important because two years in a row, 21 consecutive points is what bests the other team. I love these weird synchronicities like that. I never get tired of them. I think they're so interesting how history just repeats itself over and over and over again. I wouldn't be surprised if we had to play the Cowboys in the NFC Championship to win our next Super Bowl. All right, so let's start, Ray. Let's start going through our lists and award awards. So worst play of the game. Here's what I have down. I want to, I want to hear what you think. So the kickoff fumble at the start of the second quarter was is is one of them. You know, as we said, we mentioned we get the ball back. We end with this beautiful touchdown, Steve Young to Jerry Rice to finish off the second quarter. We start the third quarter. The ball's coming back to us. Here's our opportunity to really lay into these guys and really extend that lead. And we fumble the ball at the kickoff. And then they turn around and give and that turn that they convert that into a touchdown. Aikman does Emmett Smith, they hand it off and boom. The one one of the plays you had nominated was the third and ten run play to Emmett Smith in the was that the second quarter or the first quarter? This was the second quarter. Second quarter, they're trying to they're trying to tie up the game, and then they they do this really perplexing run play. Even Madden was like, "What on earth was that?" That they that then that they try to do, that was on third and ten. They go for this kickoff. That they go for a field goal after that, and then miss the field goal. And really, just really shot themselves in the foot. The another, the other two nominees I have is Ricky Waters dropped pass in the middle of the field. 
Do you remember that one? That huge yeah. one. He, he had like nothing but field. I was like, that's what I mean. Like there was weird. Jerry Rice dropped the ball. John Taylor dropped the ball. Ricky Waters dropped the ball. And these are guys that are normally very good. Have all have very good hands. I'm surprised Brent Jones didn't drop the ball that day. Well, he, well, and that was going to be that was my last nominee was Jerry Rice's drop ball in the end zone. Like that was just such a not. But I, I don't really think it was their fault. I just think the ball was really slippery really slippery the mud was affecting it what what do you think what was your worst play of the game i think it's for me it has to be the third and 10 call because they're on san francisco's 12 yard line so they're in the red zone it's third and long you have to throw it in that situation you're down by 14 points seven to 21 one score could put you could make this a one possession game and instead of going into the air to either throw to jay novacek or michael irvin or daryl johnston or Alvin Harper, they call a running play for Emmett Smith up the middle, and he gets tackled after two yards. He gains two yards and gets tackled by, you know, wouldn't you know it, Ken Norton, the linebacker that played for Dallas the previous season who we picked up in free agency. And then they're forced to take a field goal, which ends up being from 27 yards and ends up being no good. It's wide left. And then they're stuck down 14 again, and then we get the ball back. And that was at the very end of the second quarter. There was like, you know, less than a minute left at this point. I think that's pretty fair. My my worst play of the game is is is. Oof. I I want to say Jerry Rice's drop ball in the end zone, but I was also super pissed after that kickoff fumble. I'm not sure. I, I'm 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 for me, it's a tie. That kickoff fumble at the start of the second quarter, at the third start of the third quarter. How on earth do you drop that ball? How do you fumble that ball, dude? Like, come on, man! And then Jerry Rice's drop just like really bugged me. It really bugged. Those are so. Those for me are tied. The third and ten run play. I, I I do believe that's the worst play of the game for the Cowboys. But as a Niners fan, that was one of the best plays of the game. <laughs> so that's true. <laughs> So let's talk about the Malcolm Butler Award. The Malcolm Butler Award is an award that we give to somebody who just did not, for one inexplicable reason or another, did not show up. And I think that award, for me, I only have one guy on the list. I would have to say Emmett Smith. Emmett Smith, wins the, for me, wins the Malcolm Butler Award. Who, who, do, does he win the Malcolm Butler Award for you, or who do you have? Man, this was actually kind of tough because I know that Emmett Smith was the focal point for the Dallas Cowboys for obviously a very long time. And he went to the Pro Bowl that year. Dallas had nine Pro Bowlers that season. San Francisco had 10. There was 19 Pro Bowlers that played in this game. It was essentially an all-star game, basically. The one thing that astonished me was Troy Aikman made the Pro Bowl that year, yet he only threw for 2,600 yards, had 13 touchdowns and 12 picks. So I'm not sure what he did. And by the way, he didn't start two games because of injury. Rodney Pete started one game and played in seven others. And guess who was the third string quarterback that also started a game and won that game? He threw for 315 yards and two touchdowns in that game. Jason Garrett. What? The head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. What? Ooh, good, Ray. Good. Deep dive. Nice pick. Yeah, Rodney Pete... uh, Ronnie Pete, uh, he actually bounced around quite a bit. I think he played for Philadelphia at one point too, later in his career. But uh, but yeah, so to me, I had another nominee for second place, and that to me was Larry Allen. He was the right tackle for the Dallas Cowboys who had a bum ankle, and he just got beat all day long. He played anyways because he wanted to play because he was a you know a very good player, and but for whatever reason, just couldn't get it together and just got beat constantly on the edge by whoever we had going on that edge. And it, it just was, it was a constant thorn in Troy Aikman's side because he got sacked from all angles, to be honest. I mean, Bryant Young got into the mix. Dana Stubblefield got into the mix. Ricky Jackson got into the mix. We know Ken Norton. Ken Norton got into the mix. We know that towards the end of the game, it was, you know, a cross between Tim Harris and Rhett Hall. I think they were, you know, they were rotating people in there. But, you know, all day long, Larry Allen just was struggling, struggling to move in. And Madden and 
Pat Summerall were pointing this out because they're like saying like he has no he has no lateral quickness because of the ankle, and so he keeps get beat he keeps he keeps getting beat on the edge. And to me, that was pretty pivotal because we just we were we kept attacking that side over and over and over again. And if if we weren't sacking Troy Eggman, we were slapping his arm before he would throw the ball, or we were hitting him in his gut and slamming him into the ground. And it was just, you know, it kept him out of the game despite him having, you know, decent numbers in the air with the exception of three picks, you know, that, that, that sacked five times, forcing three interceptions. That was all a big part of that contribution comes from Larry Allen. I have one more nominee. I'm not even sure why we didn't think about it, but I just thought about it right as we were having this discussion. I think the third the third Malcolm Butler award has to go to Alvin Harper. He just did not show up. I, I mean those those three key factors right there, those three players arguably lost the game for Dallas. They they lost the game for Dallas or or they 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 just made it 10 times harder for Dallas to win. I gosh, yeah, who do you think wins the award, Ray? Who wins the award for you? Between the three. Man. It's tough. Is it a three-way tie? You know what? It's our show. We can do what we want. <laughs> we can do what we want. No, no, one tells, no one tells us what to do on the gold cast. Could very well just give it to all three of these guys. Let's give it to all three because fuck the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> you all three get the Malcolm Butler Award. It's a shameful award. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Emmett Smith's already won the worst play of the game, and he won the Malcolm Butler Award. Shame on you. <laughs> All right, so here, here we go. The, the 49ers coaching mafia tree. This is one of Raymond's favorite ones. Man, Raymond, you pulled, you pulled some stuff out the hat on that last one. That was really good with, the, uh, with Jason Garrett. But let's talk a little bit about, we've already kind of, we already talked a little bit about Gary Kubiak, but let's talk about our offensive coordinator. Someone who is near and dear to our hearts for many reasons. Well, it was, if you know your history, Niner fans, which I'm sure most of you do, it was none other than Mike Shanahan, the father of our current head coach, Kyle Shanahan, who was who would not only win a Super Bowl as a coordinator with us that season, but would also go on, as many of you know, to win two more Super Bowls with Denver and give John Elway his first two rings back to in back-to-back seasons and John Elway would appropriately retire as a champion. Yeah, that was great. And then, of course, we already discussed Gary Kubiak. Okay, so last last month we did the best commentator quotes. Here's the thing. Me and Raymond could literally do an entire gold cast on just John Madden and Pat Summerall's commentating. First, can I just say how hilarious these guys are together? Madden is insane. He's insane. Like, even at this point, he's out of his mind. He's completely out of his mind. Yeah, he's, uh, well, he's insane. And we say that in a good way. I mean, yes. He is so entertaining. And Pat Summerall is drier than sand, but it's the perfect compliment to John Madden's, you know, crazy comments. <laughs> at one point, you know, I, I got to fact check John Madden because at one point they come back from commercial break and they're showing uh, tailgaters that are boiling yes. lobsters in a pot. Yes. And he's like, yeah. He's like, well, actually, the, you know you know why they get that? It's because because they get that from Fisherman's Wharf. Fisherman's Wharf is just down the street. So they, they just call in a yeah, bucket I and they get in that. I was like, what are you talking about? It's on the opposite side of the city. They're lit, one's on the north, the northern side of San Francisco, and the stadium's on the most southern side of San Francisco. It's <laughs> like, a, not be it's like a 30, 40-minute drive to get from one end to the other. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I laughed at the same exact thing. I was like, Fisherman's Wharf is nowhere. Fisherman's Wharf is nowhere near Candlestick Park. Yeah. Nowhere near it. There's like six miles that separate the two locations. Yeah, it's, that was hilarious. So let's go through some of the quotes. There are so many. I'm not even going to be saved them all. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go through a, a lot of the good ones. These are all gold, though. Uh, right at the beginning, Pat Pat Summerall goes, "It's time to get it on." 
And then John Madden goes, at some point you get to a point where you just say, shut up and deal. And we're at that point where you say, shut up and deal. (laughs) (laughs) He just said it twice. He He does that a lot. He's basically echoing what Pat Summerall said. He just put like a, a, a crass spin on it. Then he said, uh, Deion Sanders just went up and touched Alvin Harper on the shoulder and said, I got you. That was Madden. Then Pat Summerall says, uh, they, they, were, they were getting real chippy, and, and Pat says, they're going to see a lot of that before the day is over. And then he said, after, when, after Eric Davis makes that the interception, Madden says that Eric Davis said, am I, too, am I even too small to practice in regards to his own size? Then he said, the guy has a heck of a lot of pride. That could be the biggest play of his career. And he was talking about Eric Davis. And I do think that's probably the biggest play of his career. Pat goes, the field is taking its toll already in regards to the toll. Then Madden goes, what a start for the 49ers, huh? And then, then in regards to Eric Davis again, because Eric Davis strips the ball, he goes, you know, in these big games, you never know who the hero is going to be. Uh, then... Then let's see, the Pat Summerall says, the 49ers are red hot. Then Madden goes, the defending world champion Cowboys have to be in shock. What a start for the 49ers team. Then then Madden goes, there's even mud and stuff on these uniforms. You can't beat this. (laughs) Mud and stuff. (laughs) Then he goes, he, he says, in regards, he was talking about how Steve Young had totally changed. And he said that George Seifert said maybe he just became one of the guys then. He goes, you know, when you yell at the coach, then all the guys like you. <laughs> That's what Madden said. <laughs> so all you got to do is yeah. yell at the coach. This one is great. Steve Young has a monkey on his back. That monkey is number 16, Joe Montana. Then he says this. I love this one. James Washington better not mess with John Taylor. There's a lot of tough wide receivers in the world. But John, there's not a lot of tough wide receivers in the world, but John Taylor's one of them. Messing with, <laughs> that was, that great, was great. Messing with John Taylor, it doesn't work anyways. Then Pat goes, wow, they are impressive. Then Madden says, three Dallas Cowboy turnovers, three 49ers touchdowns. Pat says, turnovers have done them in so far. And this is one of my favorites. Ken Norton, after that sack, he does his very patented, he does the, the boxing punching, which is in honor of his father. Uh, his father was a famous boxer, Ken, Ken Norton Sr. He goes, Looked like his dad on that, Amy. He threw that straight right, then he followed it up with a left hook, then a jab, and then an uppercut. And then he sparred a little bit. Yeah, then he started hitting himself. <laughs> <laughs> then when they get in that, they get in another huge fight. Madden goes, we got a rumble. We got left hooks, jabs. Did you hear that whistle? I think right there was the longest whistle in NFC Championship history. We got most points scored quickly and longest whistle so far. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, then, then they, during that rumble, he goes, he goes, What do they call that in rugby? They call it a scrum, scrum or something? Yeah. Yeah, where whole bunches of guys just get in piles and push each other and stuff. That's what we got here in a couple of these plays. Some, some rugby scrums. Some good old scrum going on in the quagmire. That's what we got. <laughs> scrum in the quagmire. Yeah, remember that. It's coming back. Then, uh, then I remember he ends that tailgate with him saying, that's a good group. I wonder where they are. <laughs> I love that one. Then he goes, then, then Madden says this. They're looking at the Goodyear blimp, and he goes, you know, a blimp is kind of like a big old offensive lineman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then he says, Well, this is good hitting weather, too, and there's some good hitting going on down there. You know what makes good hitting weather is when the, when the rain hits the ground and becomes mud, you know, and then, and then everyone's kind of slopping around down there and grunting and groaning, and, you know, you get mud and stuff flying and gang tackles and scrums and quagmires. <laughs> Went right back to Quagmire. Went right back to the Quagmires. Uh, Pat goes, the 49ers look unstoppable when they put it in the air. And then when they talk about, so Charles Haley, Charles Haley, he jumps the line. He goes off sides and he runs into the backfield. Steve Young turns and sees him and he takes a knee and he taught and they called it, they called it a, a unabated they kept saying he was saying he goes and takes the knee no one touched him he's down unabated and then Madden goes sometimes you go baited sometimes you go unabated 
And then Pat Summerall goes, that's a good word. That's a good word. I just love that. Then he said, this was one of my favorites. Oh, after after Steve Young ran in for the touchdown. Oh, boy, I think that monkey just left that left shoulder. I think he threw it off right there with that touchdown. And then he said, that might be the Super Bowl play. And to be honest, I don't remember what the hell play he was talking about. I don't know which play he was talking about. Maybe it was a sack? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what play he was talking about. I'm bummed I didn't write what that was in reference to. Then the last thing I wrote was, that Deion Sanders can run faster than anyone in this league. It's another Madden line. Took us some great, great quotes from the great John Madden. Man, I love it. Okay, here we go. Our three biggest awards. The first one, the best play of the game. There's some big ones, Ray. The Eric Davis pick six, 44 yards in the first quarter, two minutes in the game to slap the the Dallas Cowboys. He punched them in the mouth. Then on the ensuing drive for the the next the next drive the next uh, series for Dallas, Eric Davis strips Michael Irving, and the fumble is recovered by the 49ers. That's my next best play of the game. My next nominee is of course. Steve Young to Jerry Rice, that touchdown with 13 seconds left in the second quarter. God, what a beautiful pass, perfect catch, and what a way to cap off the first half. It was the dagger in the second quarter. It was like, no, you are not getting out of this. We we really, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was looking pretty dire there, and the Niners made it happen. Then, of course, Young's final touchdown, the run-in for the touchdown in the third quarter, and then... My last nominee is the million sacks of Troy Aikman in the fourth quarter. Do you have any other nominees? Anything that I missed that you you comes to mind for you? No, I think those are all legitimate nominees. Who who? What is the best play of the game for you? Best play, not to be mistaken for most iconic play. Most I well remember remember most iconic moment. It could it could be a play. It could be a it could be a moment. You know, I think I I would argue spoiler alert to whenever we do this one. Like for instance, in Super Bowl Super Bowl sixteen, I I'd, I would argue the most iconic moment is when we picked up Bill Walsh, uh, you know, and picked him up and lifted him into the air. But I don't think that's the best play of the game. You know, remember the most iconic moment may be a play, but it may not be. So wait, which which award are you referring to in this instance? I'm talking about the best. The best play of the game is different than the most iconic moment. They're got not it, always going to be. You know, cause, cause, right, but you know, are you talking about the best play right now? Right now, this is the okay. best play of the game. Got it. All right, so the best play. Uh, man, I think the best play is Eric Davis's pick six in the first quarter. I agree. It's the best play of the game. It it set the tone for the entire game. It was just we went out there and we literally uppercutted the Cowboys in the first two minutes and said, not today. It was the revenge moment. And I think it set the entire tone. Yeah, I and, and it was agree. done by the cornerback who they believed was the weak link that they were going to try to exploit that day. Although Dallas was very confused because they thought that he would be covering Alvin Harper. And in actuality, he was covering, covering Michael Irving in double coverage. And Deion Sanders was on Alvin Harper and Alvin Harper didn't catch anything until the fourth quarter. So it was a strategy that really caught Dallas by surprise and they ignored both receivers in that opening possession and when on, on the third throw of the game decided to go underneath for Kevin Williams and a defensive call was his own was his own play like I explained earlier today and Eric Davis just read it like a book and kind of he kind of I feel like he he bulled his way into that pick it wasn't just like jumped in front of the receiver he bumped into Kevin Williams. He like basically shoulder blocked him, got the ball and then ran, ran for the races untouched. Yeah. It was the best play of the game. I agree. What is the most iconic moment? I have some very interesting ones. Eric Davis's pick six again, Young's touchdown run, 
Ken Norton's first sack with the punches. I was like, man, that I remember all year watching him do those punches. That to me was it's just it is like embedded in my brain when I think of Ken Norton in that year, all the punches he always did after the sacks. And then my final one is gonna shock you. Eddie D's conversation with Carmen Policy after the previous NFC championship, which actually didn't happen in the game, happened a year before. And do, 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 is there any other moments that you feel I may be missing from the iconic moments nominees? Say them one more time. Eric Davis's pick six. Uh-huh. Young's touchdown run. Mm-hmm. Ken Norton's first sack. Mm-hmm. Eddie D's conversation with Carmen Policy after the previous NFC championship. Nope, I think those are all perfect. Who, who gets it for you? For me, it's got to be Steve Young. Because that whole game, the whole season, a lot of the talk, as as always, the quarterback is a central focal point because they facilitate the play with the other 10 players that are on the field and on the offense. And there have been a lot of criticism against him despite him going to the Super Bowl, despite him winning his earning his second MVP trophy that year. He won his previous one in 1992. And for him to... That 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 run to to me was was our Niners moment. It was the same one, albeit a little a little slightly less dramatic in terms of we were already ahead, but it was similar to John Elway's famous run against the Packers um, when he was going for his uh, his first win. And it was it was just a play. It was like uh, the will of a man, the will of a man who's just like not going to be denied again and to me that's that kind of that to me solidified not not only did it put the dagger in that in the stake stake in the dagger in that game but it also kind of was the beginning of the monkey lifting from his back and even john john madden acknowledged this after that play that you know that that was starting to change because now he was looked like he was they were going to win the game which means that they were going to earn their first trip to the super bowl under you know, the leadership of Steve Young. Man, Raymond, I think you just convinced me. I was going to say, for me, the most iconic moment was Eddie D's conversation with Carmen Policy in the elevator. It's a pretty good one, too. It's good, right? That's yeah. right. It's, it's very famous, and everyone just says that that was the turning point. The thing that I really appreciate about this game and why it was so important, because the 49ers... They, they said the 49ers believed they'd gotten a little cocky in the first round, first round against the Dallas Cowboys. They were, they were cocky, and they said that they really, they really were kind of looking past them, and they really didn't consider the Cowboys a threat, and they got shocked. You know, they got shocked. They were, the, they were, they were Goliath, and, and the Cowboys were David. And then the second year they played, they said they were just completely outplayed. I remember Karma Policy saying this on uh, Matt Mayoko's podcast, and he said they were completely outplayed and that the 49ers were not the better team, that the, the Cowboys were clearly the better team. And Eddie D has this conversation, and he says, he says to them, you know, he the, the thing that I love about this conversation is that it sets into motion the events of this year. And this entire year, this whole team had one purpose in life, and that was to beat the Dallas Cowboys and win the epping Super Bowl again. To finally, to best the monkey on Steve Young's back. To bring this defense back to prominence. To show, to prove that George Seifert can build his own team. To prove that Steve Young can do this. To prove that this 49ers franchise, that Eddie D could bring them back. That Carmen Policy could bring them back to another Super Bowl and win this game again. And this whole thing, from the front office to the players, all the way down to the water boy, all the way down to the crowd, to the fans, to everyone that loved the 49ers, every, we had one mission this, that year, and that was to get to the Super Bowl and win and beat, beat the Cowboys was number one. Beat the Cowboys was number one over even winning the Super Bowl. It was beat. The, it was. I, I think the 49ers and everyone pretty much knew that if we beat the Cowboys, it didn't matter who we faced. 
in the next week. They were toast. Yeah, it was, was in, it was in the opponent was inconsequential, which happened to be San Diego, who had won a very close game over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes, and we destroyed them. And the thing I love about the the thing I love about Eddie D's conversation is that it you will things into existence, and I often believe you will things into existence by saying it out loud. This is what we have to do. And from that moment forward, this entire team had one one team, one dream. Let's go. And they achieved it. And I think that was just just the baddest part about this. I love that. But man, Raymond, you you really nailed me with that Young's TD run, though. That was a good pitch. Hey, man. So Raymond says... It was a big-time play. It was a big-time play. It was a big-time play. It was a big time play. Raymond says Young's TD run. I'm super close, but I did talk myself back into my own sale <laughs> on that discussion of Eddie D's conversation. I believe that's the most iconic moment. What do you believe is the most iconic moment from this game? Now, Raymond, let's get to our final biggest award. See, Raymond, this is called the Ric Flair Award. Because to be the man, you got to beat the man. So who was the man, Ray? Was it Eric Davis with that amazing pick six followed by that, that strip that set off that entire first quarter and set this entire game into motion? Was it Steve Young finally beginning to rip the monkey off his back? The most iconic moment in Raymond's opinion, Steve Young's run for the touchdown in the third quarter to really keep this team up there. Steve Young with that beautiful, beautiful touchdown pass to Jerry Rice with 13 seconds left in the game. He also won the Miller Lite Award. John Madden's Miller Lite Award went to Steve Young. He was their MVP. Was it Tim Harris who literally demoralized and destroyed Troy Aikman, especially in that fourth quarter, to prevent any opportunity of them coming back? Or was it my favorite player as a kid, my favorite player from this era? Alvin Harper. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Garrett. (laughs) Was it Dion, primetime, Neon Dion Sanders, who, after Alvin Harper torching us the year before, Deion Sanders is brought in for one mission in this NFC Championship, and that is to take down Alvin Harper and prevent Michael Irving. He gets that iconic. He shuts Michael, Alvin Harper. He's a non-factor in this game. And then he has the iconic, huge interception at the end of the second quarter to prevent a Dallas comeback. Just a beautiful one right in the red zone, right around the five-yard line. Raymond, is there any other player that you feel is deserving of the Ric Flair Award that I did not mention? Hmm. Ricky Waters had a pretty big game. He did have a big game. He had a good season, too. He went to the Pro Bowl that year. Steve Young went to the Pro Bowl that year. Steve Young threw for nearly 4,000 yards with 35 touchdowns and 10 picks that year. Ricky Waters rushed for 877 yards with six touchdowns, but he also caught 66 catches for 719 yards and five more touchdowns. So this was very much the second coming of our Roger Craig. That's exactly why we drafted him was because he, Ricky Waters is a dual threat player and, and he would actually go on and have some pretty big seasons statistically. Um, no, I mean, Ricky Waters had a good day. Running-wise, we actually did well. Um, it was, I think we had 139 rushing yards to their 99 yards, which for 99 yards for Dallas was pretty bad, considering you know Emmett Smith was like the best running back in the league during that time, next to maybe maybe Barry Sanders. But, you know, for me, I've got to give it up to Steve Young because what was at stake was what was at stake was his legitimacy as being a, you know, bona fide elite quarterback, which he was during the regular season, but as we all know, you know, not, just being good in the regular season, you know, doesn't put you in the upper echelon. Some people get there, you know, uh, in turn, you know, in after serving uh, a long career, you know, Dan Marino's hailed as one of the legends, but he could never win the big show. 
you know, but I think uh, for me in this game, I think it's got to go to Steve Young just because of what was at stake and the controversy surrounding him as a starting quarterback for this team following in the footsteps of Joe Montana. I just feel like there's no bigger shoes to fill and for him to finally get over the hump on his third try, I think was a pretty big deal. I agree. To be the man, you got to beat the man. Steve Young wasn't just battling the Dallas Cowboys. He was battling the legacy and the shadow of the greatest quarterback of all time, Joe Montana. The greatest non-cheating quarterback of all time. The winner of the perfect stat, Joe Montana. The unbeatable stat that even with six Super Bowls, what's his name? I can't remember. From the Pats. Cannot, will never touch the perfect stat. Four Super Bowls, three MVPs, 11 touchdown passes, zero interceptions. The perfect stat. Zero. Zero. The perfect stat. Four perfect games from Joe Montana. He was facing that. Not only did he have to beat that man, so he had to beat the man in Dallas. He had to beat the man in Joe. He had to beat the man in himself. He had to beat the man in the crowd. This was truly a journey for Steve Young. It was a battle on so many fronts, and this was the game where he said, I was not to be denied. I cannot wait for when we talk about the next game. I'm not telling when we're going to do that, though. But when we when we do cover that Super Bowl, Steve Young plays out of his effing mind. It's incredible. You have to give it to Steve Young. I agree that that touchdown run was just insane. Amazing, 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 amazing. Really, and, really and great Steve stuff. And Steve Young would go on to that Super Bowl and also not throw any picks. He continued the perfect stat that effing Kaepernick broke. Thanks. Just kidding. Just kidding. Well, he <laughs> lost, so he doesn't even count. Yeah. No, but I like, you, I like Cap. Don't. I'm not going to bash Cap, though. It's fine. Cap's yeah. Fine. And, then, and then, you know, I think uh, MVP for Dallas has got to be Larry Allen. Larry Allen for allowing us <laughs> to get all in the face of Choi Aikman. You know, it's the funny thing too, is that was Larry Allen's rookie season in 1994. He would go on at the following year to finish a career that included 11 Pro Bowl selections. Wow. Whoever's on the, on the Cowboys cast, they thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's a guy, oh man, I, for, I should mention that in the next Cowboys cast. <laughs> 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 Any final thoughts on this game? Other than the fact that we won and we won convincingly, Dallas was never ever in it. I I mean, what more can you say? Yeah. Just a great game. Really great game. Yeah, that was awesome. It so, was... Raymond, go ahead. Oh, no. I'm done. It was a great game. It was a great game. Really fun to watch. Just a great game. I really enjoyed it. The first thought... the first quarter was electric, man. Whew. It was. I forgot that it all went down in the first quarter. Yeah, it was electric. I thought I thought the second uh, the second quarter ending was super dramatic. You know, cowboy, Cowboys come down. They missed they they missed the field goal after running that inexplicable play to Emmett Smith on third and ten. Then then the Niners the Niners only kick a field goal and it's starting to look kind of wonky. And then they come Jerry Rice drops the pass and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Now it's twenty it's like twenty four to fourteen. It's starting to look like the Cowboys are coming back in it, and then they just cap it off with that huge pass to Jerry Rice and of course the run. The big run, Raymond's, uh, Raymond's, uh, Raymond and Raymond's most iconic moment. The big run from Steve Young in the third quarter, and then that fourth quarter they just destroyed Trey Aikman. A lot of great moments, but yeah, yeah, the first quarter is fire, but a lot of big moments in all four quarters. We are going to leave the game in the in the description, so if you want to see this game, it's a it's a pretty grainy recording. There used to be a really clean version of this on YouTube that has since disappeared. Yeah. The, the- the the resolution's so bad you can't even see the ball. 
when it's thrown yeah. in the air. <laughs> yeah, you can't see the ball sometimes. But there's a there was used to be. I could have sworn NFL Films had this on their list. I was really surprised. They might have, but it but it might, there might be a rotation where they pulled it. Yeah, I don't know. There used to be an HD version. If anyone here has an HD version, please put it up there. Put it up there because this version, I'm happy. I will totally watch it again if you guys if you guys know of an HD version. I will totally watch it again. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. So it was a great game. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey. Our next episode of the Gold Dive. Our second episode of the Gold Dive. Our next episode of the Gold Dive will happen next month. Or this month, it's April. It'll happen. It'll drop at the end of April. And we will give you one tiny hint. We, it will be a modern 49er game from the modern era. That's all we're going to say. It is another iconic game, but from the last 10 years. So we can't wait. We cannot wait. We, we think you guys are going to love it. It's a great game. We hope you enjoyed this one. John Niner, one of our one of our biggest fans, John Niner had specifically said he wanted us to do this game. We had already decided. We know we actually know the order for the entire year of all the games we're going to do. We had already decided that we were going to do this game. I just it was pure coincidence that John Niner had requested it at the same time. But John Niner, you got your you got your request, buddy. You got it. Here it is. The 1994 NFC Championship game, Dallas Cowboys at San Francisco 49ers. Raymond, before we leave, why don't you let them know, where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Ray Solis, and you can follow me on Instagram at Ray Solis1. I actually, we actually, a lot of our listeners follow me on both platforms for some reason. Like some of them are on Twitter and some of them are on Instagram. So whichever one you use more. Same. You can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis 3 and then on Twitter at Rudy Solis 3RD. I always get them mixed up. I always forget which one is which. <laughs> I'm really easy to find. Go Rudy Solis 3. You'll, you'll, I'll pop up on most of them. I don't remember which one is 3RD. I'll figure it out before the next one. Look in the description. You can find, you can find my handles in the description and they're correct in there. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of everything San Francisco Bay Area sports, but not including the A's or the Raiders. <laughs> I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Solis I, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. Oh, boy, I think that monkey just left that left shoulder. I think he threw it off right there with that touchdown.